Uh, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to just ask him a simple question. Say, are you going to preach with pastor? Because if you're not going to preach with me, it's going to be either a very short sermon, which for some of you, you're like, well, I ain't going to preach for him. All right, preach with him now and that way he gets done. Or it's going to be a really long and arduous sermon. But I, I just, there, there's sometimes that I just feel like extolling God. Now, in case you don't know what that word means, I'll, I'll describe it here in a minute. I just feel like exalting God. Because when I look back over my life, it's been 38 years, almost 39 years. In a month, it'll be a little less than a month. I'll be 39 years old. For 39 years, God has never failed me. God has never left me, let me down. God has never left me behind. I have been in the ups and the downs. I've been in the valley, the shadow of death. I've been on the highest of highs. And God is there. And I think I'm in the midst of a people who whatever age you are, you could say the same thing. And, and, and while I know we can worship him in a song, I just wonder, can you worship him in the middle of the word of God? Can you worship him in the middle of a sermon? And I want to do that today, and the best way I know how it is to start with Psalms chapter 145. Now, we're going to read it, and, and here, here it is. If you want to read it with me, I'm perfectly okay with that. If you want to read it out loud with me, I'm perfectly okay with that. And as we get past this sermon, and we, I mean, not sermon, as we get past this, this portion of scripture, we're going to then go to Psalms chapter 30, and that's going to be where I preach from. And if you are studious, you're going to find some correlations between these. All right? So let's, let's start here. Verse 1, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. And one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. And all of your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all of your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power and make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generation. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. You give them food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living being. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and kind in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth, he fulfilled the desires of those who fear him. And he hears the cry and saves them. And the Lord preserves all who love him. And the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name. Here's the key. Forever and ever. Let me give you a hint. I hope your, your ultimate goal is to slip the surly bonds of this earth and put your feet on some feet on some streets of gold. And if you do so, do you understand what eternity means? Some of you, 
It, you know, it, it, I, I look back over my life for, for 39, 38, almost 39 years, and that seems like an eternity. But then I realize there's people here that are twice as old as I am. That if God, <laughs> right, Brother Harple, if God so chooses, I've still got my entire life ahead of me. Does that make sense? And then I think about that, and I go, oh, my goodness. I've met people that, if you can be seated, I've met people that have worked a job longer than I've been alive. That blows my mind. 39 years, I've watched people, 40 years. Our, our police chief, uh, Roy Jockenstaller, is going to be uh, retiring in December, and he has been in police work for 50 years. And then I think, my goodness. But do you realize that eternity, what that means? It means eternity. But Mike, you know that, right? It, eternity means eternity, forever. So if you got any chance of slipping onto those streets of gold and worshiping him forever, why don't you practice now? Why don't you just get it made up in your mind that I'm going to extol the Lord? Here's what the word extol means, and, and, and we don't use that word. Some of you are thinking, what would you steal? No, I didn't say steal. I didn't say stole. I said extol. And here's what extol means. It means to praise enthusiastically over and over and over. Have you ever, now I know we only give our praise, our, our true praise to the Lord, but there's other things I praise. Have you ever had some, maybe, maybe you had just the most incredible dinner you've ever had, or you've been to some place that was just amazing, and you found yourself extolling it over and over. I, I just, man, you, 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 if you've never seen Bass Pro Shops, we introduced Brother uh, uh, Joe, Ojo, to Bass Pro Shops down in Springfield, and he walked in, and his eyes got about this big, because if you've never been to the granddaddy of all outdoor stores, you're just missing it. And so I find myself extolling over and over how awesome that is. If you've never been to the Wonders of Wildlife Museum that they have, it's the most incredible aquarium you'll ever see. So I have in my life, I've eaten in some places that if I had my druthers, I'd eat there every day. It's that good. And I'm going to extol it over and over. If I'm going to do that for food and for entertainment and for things of that nature, how much more ought I praise enthusiastically my God over and over and over and over? Let me just tell you, it's been 10 years that my wife and I have been pastoring. Lord willing, I'm going to pastor here until God calls me home. But here's the thing. If you think I have praised God too abundantly already, then you might as well just leave and go somewhere else because every day that I wake up, I wake up now and I go, God, you're good and your mercy endureth forever. And I find myself all too often laying down at night and putting my head on the pillow and before I go to bed I begin to think my God you've blessed me one more time I've got one more day that I've been alive yeah I had to walk through some struggles and I had to walk through some valleys but God you've been with me so for the next little bit, if nobody wants to, I'm going to take about the next 20 minutes or so and I'm going to give God all the praise that I can absolutely give him and I'm going to do so via Psalms chapter 30. So if you got your Bible, open it up. Brother Andy, follow along as best you can with me. But I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. I begin to hear that old song. He pulled me out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a rock to stay and he put a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah
Yeah, I don't know if you know what miry clay is. Have you ever walked somewhere? And, and, and I've seen it. We, we did it out here when we were working on the parking lot. And we put that grass seed down in some straw. And then we had to, you know, put the water on it. But invariably, one of the water sprinklers didn't work. So I had to walk out on that wet clay. And, and the more you walk, the more it packs. And you try to knock it off, and it doesn't. Has anybody ever been around quicksand? I have. I've been around some of that that miry clay that just sucks you down. And in my life, I've experienced that where I've walked through some places and it's my own fault that I was there. And the more I struggled and the more I tried to move forward and the more I tried to get out, I couldn't and life and sin was entrapping me and pulling me down. But my God has lifted me up. My God has picked me up. My God has drawn me up. And he didn't let my foes rejoice against me. Oh, I know that devil thought, man, I got him. I've got Brandon Paul Buford right where I want him. He's messed up. He's sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he's on the wrong tangent. And he's got his mind on the wrong things. And he was rejoicing. But I hear my God coming. And he says, I will not let you. I will not let the enemy have the final say. Those of you at men's conference, you heard an awesome sermon about that. But I will not let the enemy rejoice against me. Though I have fallen, I shall rise. Sometimes my rising up isn't my own doing. Sometimes it's God that raised me up out of that old miry clay. And so I got to extol him today. You're going to notice in this psalm, and it really depends on if you have the English standard or the King James, and I've got them circled, but you're going to find that in reality there are seven times that this phrase or, or something very similar is mentioned, and it says, you have. You have drawn me up. You have healed me. You have brought me up. You have restored me. You have made the mountain stand strong. You have turned and you have loosed. I'm here today to tell you there is nothing that this boy has ever done that has been good. It has been God and him alone. If you look in my life, I'm going to tell you right now, it's because God did it. It's because God loosed it. It's because God delivered. It's because God has helped. I'm going to extol him. Look at verse 2. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. Has anybody ever had those moments in your life where you begin to cry unto the Lord? Where you begin to say, God, I don't like where I'm at. And I don't like what I'm going through. And I don't like the life I'm living. And I don't like the cards that have been dealt to me. And God, I don't know what to do. And I'm here today to tell you, the best thing you can ever do is learn to cry unto the Lord. To lift up your voice. Because he will incline his ear unto you. And he will hear you. I cried to the Lord for help. And you have healed me. Is there anybody today that could say he healed me? Is there anybody today that says I once was sick, but now I'm not? And by the way, if you've been saved, you've been healed because he healed you from that disease of sin that began to destroy your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's a death notice. Just like people with terminal illnesses, they get to a point where they'll look at you, that doctor will look at you, and they'll say, I'm sorry, but the illness cannot be overcome anymore, and you've got X amount of weeks or months to live. 
the moment that I exited my mother's womb, there was a, 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 a evil doctor, if you will, named Satan that said, Brandon, you only have this long to live because the wages of sin is death. I was born in sin. I was shaping in iniquity. But Jesus came in and he said, no, not only am I going to put you in remission, but I'm going to heal you ultimately from it. And I will create in you a new heart and create in you a right spirit. I will save you. And that's why I extol the Lord oh Lord verse 3 you have brought my soul up from the Sheol that means the grave you restored me to life from those among us who go down into the pit the King James says you've kept me alive if you believe in guardian angels I don't know that there's any theological uh, backing of that, but if you believe in in uh, guardian angels, my guardian angels kind of flat. My guardian angels been between me and some cars that we came real close. Yeah, even touched. I don't believe in guardian angels. You can put all the bells you want to on your bike, on your motorcycle, and those little guardian angels. That's not what I believe. I know there's a God that I can look back 38 years and say He's kept me alive. He's kept me alive. I, I, I've, I've turned my truck round and around on the middle of, uh, of roads, hydroplaning, and at the end of it, I get to the to, and stop, and I just shake, and I realize, God, you had your hand on me. I've had tanker trucks explode beside me on Highway 70 in front of Mid-Rivers Mall and Costco, and I've had glass rain down in my hair, and I can say, God, you have kept me. Some of you, we, we, we just mentioned a young man that overdosed on heroin, but some of you said, Lord, you kept me when I should have died of my drug addiction. You kept me when I should have died of my alcoholism. You kept me when my sickness should have got me. Uh, should have got me. Lord, I'm thankful that you've kept me alive. Then he begins to say, I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. Oh, you, his saints, and I'm going to give thanks to his holy name. Here's where I want to start flipping the script. Verse, or verse 5 says, for his anger. You know, we've kind of corrupted the, the persona of God. We, we love to talk about God as love and God is gracious and God is merciful. And those are true. But he's also a jealous God, that don't mean like green with envy, but that means he doesn't like it when people do things that are only supposed to be reserved for him and they give and they, idol they, they give that in idolatry to someone else. He doesn't want you to give your worship to anybody. He doesn't want you to give your adoration to anybody else. He says, I am a jealous God. Beside me, there is no God. But he's also a God that has wrath and anger. Just because we're post-Calvary, does not negate the wrath of God that is seen present in the Old Testament. How do I know that? I'll tell you a really good example. We are post uh, uh, Acts 2.38. So we've got the Holy Ghost. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. That's already happened. But Ananias and Sapphira lied in the presence of God, and God killed both of them with just a snap of his finger. So you can't tell me that God's anger and judgment doesn't make any sense in this area, in this time frame that you and I are living in. I'm telling you, God has every right to be angry. 
In fact, I want to read to you a few verses, and I'm going to ask that you would turn there with me. The first thing I want you to turn uh, with me is in Job chapter 30. Job chapter 30 begins to uh, uh, tell us a, a, a story, and, and it's, you're going to find it in, in other places. Job chapter 30 and verse 31. I want you to watch what he says. I'm, I'm reading English Standard. He says, my lyre, that, that's not you know someone that doesn't tell the truth. That's a harp or that's a musical instrument. My lyre has turned to mourning and the pipe to the voice of those who weep. Now, let, let's, let's, let's walk that path a little bit. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31 says this. And of course, Jeremiah was, was talking to, to the children of Israel who had, who had fallen into idolatry. They had left their love of, of, G, of God. They have walked so far away from, from him. And, and Jeremiah has a lot of bad things that are coming. A, a lot of prophecies of, of God judging them. But watch what it says. Or, or, I'm sorry, Jeremiah... Uh, chapter 30, chapter 30, and verse 30. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I got my notes wrong. That's Job 30, 31. We just read that. Let's go to Lamentations chapter 5. How about that? Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5 says this, verse 14. The old men have left the city gate. The young men have left their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. And the crown has fallen from our head. For we have sinned. In Lamentations, if you jump over back a few chapters, you're going to find Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 says this. Chapter uh, uh, 3 and verse 2. It says... That I am the man who, or verse 1, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. And he has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. I'm here to tell somebody for just a moment. Before I get into the, the dance again, before I get into the worship. If you get to the place where you live in that state of sin to God. You have everything to expect from God's wrath. In God's judgment. God doesn't just pat you on the back. I don't, God doesn't look at Gabriel and Michael up there in heaven when one of us is sinning and pat him on and goes, oh, look at my children. They're so cute, aren't they? I know I'm guilty of it. I got a one-year-old. I'm guilty of it. But here's what I've learned. When those one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-olds, things we think are funny, when they're five, six, seven, eight, ten, it's no longer funny. And now you're trying to figure out why they're throwing their food everywhere. It's because you let them throw their food when they were one and two. Okay, I'm just going to give you some help. But God doesn't sit up there and go, oh, that's so cute. Look at Brother Norm down there. I mean, look, look he, that's, that's so cute. He told a little cute lie. That's not what God does. 
it peeves God. It drives God insane that his creation would, let, would turn their back and walk the wrong direction. And there is some consequences to our sin. And I've been raked over the coals by God. And I've felt those consequences in my life. And I know what it means for God to chastise. And I know what it means for God to punish. But the book of Hebrews says he chastises us because he loves us. And verse 5 of Psalms chapter 30 says, For his anger is but for a moment. Now that might not excite you at all but it sure does excite me because I've done my share of sinning and I've walked the wrong direction for a long time and I'm so thankful to know that his anger comes absolutely but it's but for a moment but in his favor there is life or the English standard says his life, his favor is for a lifetime. I'm here today to tell you it's not just when I hydroplane on Howder Shell Road. It wasn't when I got into a bad accident on Highway 70. That's not the only time that God's kept me alive. I should be dead. I should be punished. God should have rubbed me out of the history book a long time ago. But in his infinite mercy and in his infinite love, he said, Brandon Buford, I'm going to give you one more day. I'm going to give you one more moment. I'm going to give you one more service. I'm going to give you one more sermon. For the Lord is not slack Concerning his promises. There's coming a day, but here's what he is. He's long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He gave me another chance. He gave me another chance. Weeping may endure for a night. Friend, I, I've weeped in sadness a lot. I have. I've had my share of loss, I've had my share of heartache, but the greatest moments of my life when I have wept is when I've known I'm not walking with God. I could take you to some places in my life where I, it wasn't even weeping of repentance. It was just weeping of condemnation and guilt when I knew I wasn't right. I wasn't living right. And I have had my share of weeping. But the Bible tells me weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes with the morning. Psalms 126 tells us you need to weep and t or you need to sow in weeping. And if you'll learn to sow in weeping, you will rejoice or you will reap in joy I don't know if you caught it when I read some of those verses earlier but they were really familiar with verses you knew we said that the Lord has turned my laughter into weeping and my voice into weeping and we, we, we said that the, 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 the Lord hath brought me into darkness it's hard to think about that brother Bob that God would bring me into darkness but he's done it. When I've sinned, he's kind of said, you go, and I'll let you just live your life. You're not listening to me right now. So I'll just let you, I'll let you do what you want to do. And If you ever decide to turn around, Brandon, I'll, I'll be right here because I'm never going to leave nor forsake you. But I'm, I'm not going to hold your hand while you walk into some of those places. I'm, I'm going to be right where you left me. But those verses sound so familiar. Because, in fact, walk with me again. Go back to Lamentations Chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Let me read it again. Are you ready? Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 2. He hath driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Then I can start flipping through the pages of my Bible. And I hit about 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 
And it says that I'm a peculiar people. I'm a chosen people. I'm a royal priesthood. What? That God hath called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me tell you why I learned to worship. Let me tell you why I give God praise. is because I've walked in the darkness. And I've walked where there's no light. And I've walked where I've tried to pray and it seemed like nothing was happening. But I stand on this side of that salvation. I stand on this side of that repentance. And I stand here today to tell you that no longer do I walk in darkness. But my God has brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. David, the writer of this psalm, or at least the one that this psalm is about, said, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. There was a rich young ruler one day that looked up. Jesus told this parable. He looked up and he said, man, I'm rich. He said, this is the best crop my farm's ever, 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 ever produced. And I, I know what I'll do. I'm going to build a bigger barn and I'm going to put all this up and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to retire and I'm not going to worry about anything. And I've got it made. And in my prosperity, I was there. And, and I said, I shall not be moved at nothing can touch me. The Bible says pride goes before a fall. I know I'm not preaching about any of you. I understand that. This is just a sermon for me. I get it. But I have spent some times in my life where I have stood firm against God and I have set my face against God. And in my arrogance, I said, I shall not be moved. And God has looked at that and said, you're an idiot. You ever seen those cartoons or maybe you've done it when you were, when you were, you know, now that I'm the strapping man that I am today, it's hard for you to understand. But if you go back to my, my uh, uh, childhood and you look at all of my high school pictures and all of my grade school pictures, I'm the dude that's like a foot shorter than everybody else in my class. I was in sixth grade and there was a girl that was literally two foot taller than me. Her name was Patricia. I used to go, hey, how's the weather up there? And she'd go, it's raining. I didn't do that very often. But you ever seen that, you ever seen that, uh, that, 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 that you, you, you know, you see it where someone goes to fight someone bigger and the bigger just puts their hand on their forehead and they're. You ever seen that? Brother Miller, has that ever happened to you? No? It happened to me. You were smarter. You didn't pick on the big guys. But, but you know, that's how it is with me and God. There's those moments that I come and I literally fight against the presence of God in my arrogance. I say in my prosperity, I shall not be moved. And God puts one finger on my forehead and says, you're the most ignorant person I've ever met in my life. Do you understand who you're messing with? I'm the God of all creation. I'm the God of all things. All I'd have to do is just speak and you would no longer exist. But it's by your favor you made my mountain strong. You hid your face and I was dismayed. That word dismayed means I was troubled. I was in terror. I was in anguish. If you want a word picture, you need to go back to the word picture where Saul, King Saul, he, he couldn't hear the voice of God and he was so needing the voice of God so he went and visited that witch at Endor. 
And he said, I want you to bring up my preacher who I never listened to when he was alive, so why don't you bring him up when he's dead? And, and somehow, whether it was hocus pocus or whether it was real, I don't know, but something that looked like Samuel came up out of the fire. And the Bible says Saul was troubled and afraid. That fear that Saul felt was the same fear that David felt. He says, I am troubled because I know I fought against you. In my prosperity, I said, I'll never be moved. And so to you, O oh Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? And I begin to hear the echoes of Psalms 51 where David found a place of repentance and he said, Lord, I know, I know in my arrogance and my pride I messed up. I know I thought I could get away with it because I was a man after God's own heart. I know I thought I could get away with it because I was the king of Israel, God's chosen people. And I know in my prosperity I said it had never happened to me. I'll never get caught but oh God I'm here in the dust of this earth and I'm crying saying Lord forgive me cleanse me, purge me, wash me make me to know your, your faithfulness here oh God be merciful to me oh Lord be my helper David he's carrying the lifeless body of the son born from that despicable, adulterous union between him and Bathsheba. Where Nathan the prophet pointed his bony finger and said, David, because of your sin and arrogance, I'm going to take the son that would have been your blessing and it's going to die at childbirth. And David's holding that lifeless son. I know the Bible says David got up after praying and, and, and pleading for God to save his son. I know it says he got up and he washed his face. And I understand what, it, what he's talking about. But I've walked through loss enough to know you don't just walk away from that easily. And he's holding the lifeless, son of his, uh, 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 the lifeless body of that son. And he realizes, I push God too far. Tears are streaming down his face. They had to bury him. There was mourning going on. They were clothed in black with the veils over their face. But all of a sudden, verse 11 flips the script. But you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. That sackcloth. I, some, some versions of the Bible, I like how they, they, they translate it out. They use words... One, one translation that I'm not familiar with. I, I have no idea. I've never even seen this Bible. But one translation uh, translates it as, You have peeled off my sackcloth. I'm here to tell today to tell somebody this. You have wept and you have mourned and you have let the guilt consume you, and you have found a place of repentance, but you don't know how to get past the weeping. You don't know how to get past that condemnation. You don't even know how to get past the conviction. But I'm here today to tell somebody that God has a way of turning your mourning into dancing. And I'm here today to tell somebody else that the reason I can pr preach this with a, a glad heart is because he's done it for me. He turned my mourning in to dancing. Ver Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 4. This is where I was trying to get to. I was getting to ahead of myself. So I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter th 31 and verse 4. I read to you early the lamentation 
That's Jeremiah's lamentation. The one that says that they, the old men left their gates and the young men left their, their voices and they, the worship was gone. There's another place in the, in the prophets that says they hung their harps up on the willow tree because they knew they had sinned and come short of the glory of God. And they hung their harps up and they said, we're in, we're in bondage, we're in captivity and I don't know how in the world we're going to make it out of there so I'm never going to worship again and they hung it up. And some of you, perhaps you get to that place where you hang the worship up. Been a long time since you let God move you. And so every time you go to lift your voice, it's a voice of weeping, and a voice of despondency and despair. But the same man that heard the voice of God and wrote lamentations and said they left the gates and they left the worship is the same man, Jeremiah, who God gave him a promise. In verse thirty, in chapter thirty-one, and verse four. Well, let, let's let's go to verse three. And the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love; therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built. This is after they've lost their their temple; it's been destroyed; it's been knocked down. But I'll build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines And shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers Look at verse 13 And then shall the young women rejoice in the dance And the old men and the, or the young men and the old shall be merry And I will turn their mourning into joy And I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow He turned my mourning into dancing why am I so quick to lift my hands? Why am I so quick to give him praise? Why am I so quick to give him worship? Because he gave me a new victory. He gave me a new day. He gave me a new heart. And he's given me a new song. You can't quite sing the song I can sing. Because you've not walked the roads I've walked. But the flip is I can't, I can't sing the song you sing. Because I've not walked the roads you've walked. It says, you've loosed my sackcloth and you clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Would you stand with me today? I think it's a sin to be silent. I think it's a sin for someone who's been turned and loosed and clothed with gladness I think it's a sin for you to sit and do nothing but not only is it a sin I kind of think it ought to be impossible it ought to be impossible for those that God has set free for those that God has delivered for those that God has healed and brought up and saved and, and, and given you favor and for those who have been touched by his presence how in the world can you be silent Oh God, oh Lord, I will give you thanks forever. I say again, if you have any desire to hit those streets of gold and worship him forever, you ought to start right now. Because what I've learned about heaven is, and what I've learned about eternity, heaven and hell, is all heaven and hell is going to do is magnify who you were before God calls you home. There's going to be some people, they're going to be tormented in hell, but hell's going to be really familiar to them. 
because they lived the life opposite of God their entire life. And if God put them in heaven, they would be so uncomfortable, Brother Harpole. And I mean that. One day I'll get back to the study of Revelation and I'll show you again. I showed you about four years ago that if, if, if God took a sinner on that day of judgment and said, you know what, I'm going to let you go to heaven. If they had never worshipped him down here on streets of gold with walls of jasper and God himself there, it would not change who they are and they would, could not worship him even in heaven because they did not worship him on earth. And so some people... They're not going to like it because it will be torment. The Bible uses that word torment, and that ain't no, no little word. It uses the word torment in hell. But they'll feel comfortable because it's home. Not me. Not me. I've been let, letting heaven on earth hit me every chance it gets. I've been making sure I got my voice warmed up because when I get to heaven, I know I'll have 30 minutes of silence to just kind of soak it all in. But whenever that clock on the wall there begins to hit zero and I'm loose to worship, I'm ready to give him praise because he turned my mourning into dancing. He turned my sorrow into joy. He gave me life when I should have been dead. He gave me healing when I should have been sick. He loosed me from the bonds of sin. I used to slog through miry clay but he put my feet on a rock to stay I got a God that's delivered me over and over and over again so on this Sunday morning I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to begin to exalt the name of Jesus and I'm going to extol him forever and ever and ever again would you join me right now I think some of you ought to exit your rows and come to the front with hands lifted and with joy on your lips and would you give God praise in Jesus name.